Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our Resistance episode where we're talking all about the children from Tehar. And holy guacamole, guys. <laughs> this is such a good episode. <laughs> It was so good. When I woke up this morning, I saw some tweets about, wow, such a good episode, but I didn't know what <laughs> lay ahead, you know? <laughs> and man, it was really exciting to wake up this morning and make my coffee and watch this. I love watching this on Disney now. I just kind of want to do that as an aside. I love how they're putting the episodes on before they're airing at, mm-hmm. at 10 p.m. because then you get the whole Sunday to just kind of soak it in. I watched it twice. I watched it in the morning, I went for a walk, and then I came back, couldn't stop thinking about it, so I watched it again. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I just love it. So good. I have only gotten to watch it once. I actually just finished watching it prior to recording because I was at work all day, Um, but it is fresh in my head, and I am so excited. Um, This episode is called The Children from Tehar, and it was directed by Saul Ruiz and written by Paul Giacoppa. 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 Giacopo. Yeah. There's a no at the end of there. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> um, the director is, I think, if I remember correctly, directed the first um, episode in Resistance as well. So that is I really, the from, premiere of Resistance is still in my top favorite episodes of the season thus far. Thus mm-hmm. far, these five episodes. <laughs> I mean, I can't choose. Like, I feel like I, I think this is my favorite episode so far. And we'll get into that. But In a way, I feel like it feels more Dave Filoni than anything that came before it. Mm -hmm. Just, I think it's because it's so tied up in a lot of uh, history. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We were just talking prior to recording and we were like, you know, the Skywalkers show up in this episode. And of course, Cheryl and I just freak out and like immediately (laughs) just fall head over heels for this episode. And they're not even technically in the episode. They're just mentioned, and we're just low-key freaking out. (laughs) No, we know who we are. Our name isn't Sky Talkers for nothing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, in part one, we're going to be going over our highs and lows. In part two, we're going to be talking about the story. And then in part three, we're going to be talking about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right, welcome to part one, which is highs and lows. And I'm pretty sure I went first last week, so you can go first this week, Charlotte. Uh, what was your first high? What do you think my first high is? <laughs> is it my first high too? Yeah, I think that it's the same. <laughs> Kylo Ren. <laughs> the fact that this episode mentioned Kylo Ren, I, I had a feeling we were leading there, but it's really exciting to kind of pinpoint where he is on this map of the First Order and everything. It was just really exciting. Love Kylo Ren. Love learning more about Kylo Ren. Really excited. Yeah, this is definitely going to be something. I I mean, we all knew that Kylo Ren was going to be in this series. Like Adam Driver has been listed as a, as a voice actor for Resistance. I actually didn't think we would get Kylo Ren this early in the series. But now that it's here, I'm like, oh my God, Caitlin, like it makes perfect sense. You're, you're You've got to be building up this villain character, at least this idea of a villain. Now, if that still meets our expectations, when and if we actually see him in person, I'm really intrigued to find out, especially given what we do hear about him in this episode. But for me, the big high was Kylo and Leia, both 
um, being mentioned in this episode and the fact that Leia is getting these reports on Kylo Ren. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I love it. And it, again, it makes me wonder this conversation we always have of does do people in the resistance know who Kylo Ren is? Well, it's interesting because I think Eloasti kind of made this face that kind of made me assume that people do know who he is because it was like, oh, yeah, Leia will want to know that. Like, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the opposite, that it was like, no, he doesn't know. Because I I can see them doing this pattern of Leia making almost like the same mistake she did with Vader, keeping that big secret um, from the galaxy and, and from her son and from her family. Um, and then doing the same thing again with Kylo Ren. I wonder if that'll be a piece of conflict that comes up potentially when Kaz is more ingrained in the resistance, if that happens, if he discovers that after learning more and more about the monstrous acts of Kylo Ren. Wow, wouldn't that that be bananas if Kaz is the one that finds out who Kylo Ren is, but no one else knows? I don't know. Like, it would be crazy, and it wouldn't surprise me that much just because he's our protagonist in the show. Yeah. I've always, like, if there's anyone in the Resistance who knows who Kylo is, it's definitely Poe and Laura Santeca. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are we going to get more Laura Santeca content? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's all on the table, Caitlin. I love Laura Santeca. He – oh, man. That man. to me. But I love because if you remember in I think I guess it was our recap of the premiere episode, we talked about how um there's so much potential for the kind of information Leia is going to be getting about Kylo. And you know, we talked about maybe like Kaz finding out something about Kylo Ren that doesn't necessarily line up with this villain that they've kind of presented us with in this episode, and it's something this piece of information that then gets passed on to Leia. And so then when we're in the Force Awakens and Leia is like, "No, there is still hope." She still has hope in part because Kaz has told her something about Kylo Ren that gives her that hope. And so I'm glad that we're kind of starting to see the beginning of that kind of communication um, of Kaz giving information on Kylo that's going directly to Leia. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. I don't, I don't think Elo knows who Kylo is. I don't think anyone knows who Kylo is except for maybe Poe. I think Poe knows. I think that we could probably place some bets on that just by her by him saying it's Kylo Ren when in The Last Jedi when he's unmasked on Crete. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, it's personal, you know, something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so interesting because we talk so much about like how um, – because Darth Vader had, you know, decades to build up this reputation for himself. And at this point, the First Order is still kind of operating pretty secretly. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of public knowledge about exactly who they are or what they're doing. And – about Kylo Ren for that matter, but clearly like he's come up in these other conversations within the resistance. Yeah. It's really weird. So interesting. Okay. So my second high is the turtle people, the shell folk as Kaz refers to them. (laughs) Um, And when the children jump into like the chasm and the shell folk like save them, it kind of made me tear up a little bit. It was just so noble and great. I love them. They're so slow and great and lovable. Yeah, they were they were so adorable and how they can just like slow their life force. <laughs> great. Um, and the one that just is like on the wall when Niku and Kaz show up and it kind of scares Kaz. <laughs> yeah. The one on the wall. 
<laughs> so great. So great. They were really great. I'm excited to see more of them throughout the series. But my second high was one of my bigger laugh out loud moments um, was Kaz trying to open the gate to the chasm of water very unsuccessfully. And he was like, this is what I have to do. And he's, you know, he's got his hero moment. And then he can't open the thing because he's like trying to open it from the side that it's attached to. <laughs> And the kid, I think his name is Kel, the older brother. He just like comes up and lifts it so easily from the other side. <laughs> so great. <laughs> like such a casting, which also, uh, just saying, but Kaz mimics Kylo Ren's line of I know what I have to do. I know. There's so many mimicking of I know what I have to do. I think there was, where else have I heard that line recently that wasn't Kylo Ren? I think it was it Kaz again before. Maybe it was. I don't remember. Ezra has had said something like that. Yes, before. Ezra. It's Ezra in like almost the season finale mm-hmm. of Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. He yeah, he goes, I know what I have to do now. And I think Ahsoka says something along those lines too. Maybe not. I'm trying to think of what her lines are when she's with Vader in Rebels. Um I don't think it's, it's a, not that. No, but it's something similar. She said something similar to that. But yeah, it is Ezra in the like the Rebels finale when he's like, I know what I have to do now. Uh, great moment. It's so weird how we're drawing these similar lines to like these very good hearted protagonists. Hmm. <laughs> Fascinating. But why? <laughs> <But> why? <laughs> All right. So your low for the episode. Okay. My low was the fact that the whole action of this episode was put into place by the fact that Kaz is still a bad mechanic. And I think that in this episode, he was trying and, you know, Tam kind of took a chance on him and let him help. But it's still, I'm just, I'm really kind of, I'm just getting frustrated with Kaz being a bad mechanic. I just really want him to pick up a manual. I just want one shot with him with like a data pad learning how to do it. Yeah, it's uh, – again, we don't know how long exactly he's been on the Colossus, but honestly, I think this is going to be like a running gag of Kaz messing up mechanical fixes and stuff like that. But now that he's got a little bit more experience in the spy world under his belt, I feel like that's going to be pushing him away from the mechanical side of things a little bit more, um, and it's it's not going to be just – him not knowing what to do and in fact i could see situations where he's like purposefully breaking things so that he has to leave in order to go like work on his spy job being like interesting oh oh, you're out of fuel like i'll go get that for you tam like runs away and tam's like but what (laughs) but then he's you know going off and like spying on dozer or something yeah what's your low milo is that there was almost there was almost not enough given to us about like Tahar and the kids. And like I know they like clearly it's going to be coming back around in later episodes, but they put a lot of questions out there about Tahar and the First Order and next to nothing was really answered, um, which kind of bothered me. I thought for sure we might find out what the symbol meant. Um, or even like what was on Tehar, where Tehar was, how how many of these people, like did they actually kill all of them? Were they kidnapped? Um, were these kids force sensitive? Like is that what's going on? Is there some kind of Jedi something happening on Tehar? Like we got nothing, um, which that kind of frustrated me because it kind of gave me like a lost feeling. Like there are all these questions about Tehar now, but that they set up 
It's not even questions that I'm making up. It's they set up these questions and none of them were answered. Um, and I know that like these kinds of plot threads will probably come back around later, but I just wanted just a little bit more. Um, I don't need all of them answered in this episode. I don't even need all of them answered in this series, but I just wanted a little bit more. Gotta be patient. No, I know, but I'm not. What can I say? <laughs> and I don't really like Ello's voice. I'm going to be honest. It like sounds like he's trying to be a cartoon character. I don't like it. Fair. But that's just like a personal preference kind of thing. So <laughs> it doesn't, you know, make the episode any less amazing. But yeah, I think I really just wanted a little bit more concrete information because basically all we got is that these kids were kidnapped and Kylo Ren was there. Yeah. I mean, not really. We got another thing where um, <laughs> where Phasma says, now the name Tehar will fade from memory. Our plans will remain safely out of reach of the resistance, which asks, which brings up way more questions than just what you just said. I mean, it does. The thing is, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't like when shows create like 20 questions and don't even give me like one answer um, when they kind of present all these things. And again, I know it's going to come up later, but I just wanted a little bit more. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) If only we could binge the whole thing. Right? Disney Play, where are you? (laughs) Right. Okay, so let's talk about the story. Let's do it. Okay, so welcome to part two, um, the story section, where we always start with a question. What's the state of the First Order and the Resistance? I think we should start with the First Order. That they're going around doing stuff. They're out there. They're doing things. They're they're in your neighborhoods. They're on your streets. (laughs) They're out there doing stuff. Well, okay. So clearly, this is the first glimpse we get to see of Kylo and his troops destroying a village due to, I guess, um, resistance finding plans or them hiding plans on Tehar. It's confusing. Tehar is somehow a part of their plan. Again, it's like... This goes back to what we were reading in the last Jedi novelization a couple weeks ago um, with Snoke and how Snoke went to all of these unknown um, planets in the far outer rim, like in the unknown regions. Not only these like regular planets, but also these like uninhabitable force planets as well. So it's like, where does Tehar fit into that? Is it just like a regular planet or is it like a force planet? Like there's something on Tehar that they got. And in order to get it, they basically had to wipe the planet clean of habitable life. And that's why they can't have these kids being alive. Well, that's the thing. So if there's a mention of the plans, which I think this, I just want to kind of toot my own horn a little bit because I think it was two episodes ago or maybe last episode when we talked about resistance that I was like, there's definitely going to be something about the plans for Starkiller Base Mm -hmm. that is going to be like the chase in um, resistance. And I think that that's what we're about to see. And you're so right. Um, I forget who mentions that it's in the unknown, unknown regions, maybe Phasma. Um, But I think we're definitely going to come back around with Tehar and learn that maybe potentially uh, the First Order is mining the planet. Maybe they maybe Tehar is the the planet that they've put uh, Starkiller base on. Who knows? I don't really know. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a lot of speculation about what that planet is um, that they've like taken over because, you know, it's a full scale planet. Um, 
Okay. And it could potentially be that. I know that they were talking about whether or not it was Ilum or Ilum or however you pronounce it, but mm-hmm. because it kind of looks like that. But I think that we don't know what the planet looks like at this point. We just have these kids from it, so it could be anything. But clearly, my I would put be- a bet on the fact that it has something to do with Starkiller Base. Yeah, it. I mean, it definitely does. I think we can kind of safely assume that anything at this point is tied directly to Starkiller Base when it comes to the First Order. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting of the planet being Starkiller Base and they want like everything removed from there. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in this symbol as well. Um, of course, we have like a lot of sects and clans that are all very tied to these symbols that are associated with their history and things like that. So do they have – of course, I'm like, do they have some kind of tie to like the Jedi or the Force? <laughs> like when am I going to get that action in here? <laughs> um, well, the symbol – to me, the first thing I thought of when I saw it was Padme's Naboo symbol, just because it, it yeah. kind of has the same kind of illustration about it, the same kind of movement um, and like craftsmanship. But I don't think it has anything to, to do with Naboo. And if it does, I'll eat my words. But I, I think that it you're probably more along the lines of like it's some sort of clan. What's so interesting is that the line where they said Tahar will fade out of history, fade out of memory, mm-hmm. um, something like that. And I think it was one of the guys on the ship when Kaz overheard about the bounty for the kids who said like Tehards and like the unknown regions or something like that. So it's not a planet that's even well known now. Um, and I think other characters make mention too of how like, oh, Tehar, like no, I don't know anything about Tehar. Um, so it's not even something that has like a big presence, but there's obviously something really important there, something that's been hidden and ergo something that perhaps might've been protected by the people of Tehar who are now gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, then it, it, it makes me think of Jetta because- yeah. And like, the, it makes me think of the Guardians of the Wills. Exactly. I mean, I really, I, I kind of- am reluctant to say that it's going to be something similar, like a Jedi temple or something. I just don't know if this show is going to go there, but I I guess I wouldn't be that surprised if they did. I still think it's just going to be they're mining whatever power, Mm -hmm. you know, powers the Starkiller base and whether that it could potentially be like Kyber, like the like in Jeddah. Yeah. Um which is the same thing that they were doing for the Death Star. But I I think that they'll go a little bit further than what we learned in Rogue One and show something a little bit different because that would just be like repetition. I wonder if it's going to almost be like this big parallel to Rebels as well because in Rebels we saw the Empire doing this like very explicit like mining of resources. But then it turned out that they were also doing this – like Palpatine also had like this side archaeology mission going on (laughs) that was very much all about the Force. Um, And so knowing what we know about Snoke, I can very easily see it being both. Like there is something that the people of Tehar are protecting and maybe it is like a physical resource, um, but there are other planets that Snoke is very interested in. And, you know, honestly, I would bet that Tehar might be like something of like a force resource if he's sending Kylo Ren to do it. Um, Mm. Whereas another planet that perhaps like Phasma or Hux is in charge of, that's like an actual like resource planet um, because he's going to send his force sensitive guy to deal with force sensitive issues. I would imagine if I'm like putting on my speculation goggles, which like basically we always are we're always on. Um, yeah. <laughs> can I, let me find the, the part in the last Jedi novelization. Do you mind? 
Do it. Okay. It's still here on the desk by me. Mine is too. <laughs> Basically just – I just take it where, with me wherever I go. <laughs> All right. So this is the part where Snoke is talking about the different planets. Um Palpatine had engineered the contingency to simultaneously destroy his empire and ensure its rebirth, ruthlessly winnowing its ranks and rebuilding them with who and what survived. The rebuilding was to take place in the unknown regions, secretly explored by imperial scouts and seeded with shipyards, laboratories, and storehouses, an enormously expensive effort that had taken decades and had been kept hidden from all but the elect. All right, so is Tehar already a part of the contingency? Question number one. All right, and then the next part says... Um, Palpatine's true identity as Darth Sidious, heir to the Sith, had been an even greater secret than the contingency, and the Empire's explorations into the unknown regions had served both aspects of its ruler, for Sidious knew that the galaxy's knowledge of the Force had come from those long-abandoned, half-legendary star systems, and what great truths awaited rediscovery among them. See, I think Tehar is a long-abandoned, half-legendary star system. Yeah, I'm convinced now. <laughs> that... Because and this is what it says too, like the um, that it was used for both purposes, both for physical military means these these planets in the unknown regions, and then also for these force things that Palpatine was doing, and now that Snoke is doing as well. And it says truths that Snoke had learned and made to serve his own ends. I I agree with you. I think that that was a careful use of quotes, and I. I think that maybe – I bet what's going to happen is that Captain Doza is going to study the symbol, use whatever resources he has, because clearly he has a lot, mm-hmm. to figure out what is this symbol. And exactly. once that is revealed, maybe Kaz and the Resistance will go there. Whoa. Check it out. Let's go. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> So good. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely think that Tehar is a long abandoned, half legendary star system. But that there are, and but that it, it could be both too at the same time. And maybe like people like Phasma don't actually know what they're doing there. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't put it past yeah. um, Phasma to not be informed about uh, the symbolism and meaning. <laughs> Behind why they're there. She's like, ah, like Phasma and Thrawn would probably not get along. I don't think so at all. No, 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 no. no. Uh, But let's talk about Captain Doza in this episode because Captain Doza definitely put – he got more of a spotlight in this episode again. Yeah, I I think that the relationship – I mostly want to talk about the relationship with him in the First Order Mm -hmm. because in the last episode I said that Captain Doza, like I don't think he's – bad. I don't think he's going to fall for the First Order's, you know, deal. But here he is, you know, trying to kind of shake hands, basically, with the First Order by giving him this piece of information. Mm-hmm. And I, that kind of has has kind of changed my opinion about him. And I do think that he is someone who I'm not sure I can trust. I think that Captain Doza puts the Colossus above all else, whether it's right or wrong. And even though he perhaps knows that the First Order isn't someone to be tangled with, it's better to be on their good side than against them. Like, he's going to keep as much distance as he can, but not at the expense of the Colossus. So if that means, like, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, then he'll do that. And, like, giving this kind of information is – it's like he's just like biding time. 
um, mm-hmm. in a way. It's it's like he's not joining them, but he's also not outright against him. And that's kind of a safe – the safest place to be right now, I think, in Joe's opinion. Uh, he puts one foot into yeah. – you know, giving the First Order what they want and keeps the other one on the clauses. Yeah. And the information he gives them isn't about like any – it's not about one of his citizens on the Colossus as well. And it's not about the Colossus itself, mm-hmm. um, which I think could be a different story. Right. Again, like what's on the Colossus, which is – it's interesting because like he basically invites the First Order to come and pick up the kids. <laughs> like <laughs> pick up time. <laughs> the bell ring. Um, but – you know, it's still holding on to that theory that there's something on the Colossus that Captain Doza is hiding. Well, wouldn't it be interesting is if Tehar is that example for what the Colossus is hiding and you watch the destruction of Tehar and here you have the Colossus, which essentially is holding another resource of power and they get that information and realize that and realize that, wow, the First Order cannot come here because they will destroy the Colossus in the same way that they destroyed um, the village or whatever on Tehar. And also what we know as an audience, they destroyed Jakku. Hmm. Do you think Doza knows what happened to Tehar? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think he knows. I think only those kids know. And not Kaz and Niku. Yeah. So do you think... All right. How often do you think we're going to see these kids again? Okay. So I have, I kind of stalked these actors on Instagram and they're coming back because one of the actors said that, what did he say? He said, you know, let me, let me find it. He says, and make sure to watch the rest of the season to see what kind of trouble my little sis and I get into. Little sis. Yeah. So I, I feel like they're going to become part of the crew on the Colossus for sure. And because of that, they, I mean, we're, we're in the story section and we always do this. We're like really getting ahead on the character stuff, but Classic. Um, yeah, but they also carry the knowledge of what Kylo Ren looks like the witness to, they were witness to like the murder and destruction and like ultimate genocide of their planet. And they're the only ones that have that understanding and know what he looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, they are potentially the most interesting witnesses to the first order's destruction at this point. That's really interesting. Um, that's a really good point. They are the only ones that have – they basically – they've lived to tell the tale, mm-hmm. uh, to bear witness to the destruction of their planet. And how that will come up again will be really interesting once people start finding out more about what the First Order is doing as we get closer to The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Ooh. So another thing that I wanted to bring up in the story section is that it's really cool to me that – what is kind of really putting the First Order as a threat on the map is these two kids on the run, which just feels really Star Wars-y to me, um, just in terms of, like, big picture. I think that we have Kaz, who's, like, a 19 or 20-year-old, you know, dude, but here we have these, like, 10- and 8-year-old kids, essentially, is kind of what I'm thinking their age ages are, who are on the run escaping knowing that what they have to get away from is bad, and they come bearing this information of this is a terrible destruction that has happened to my planet. And I just feel like that is extremely Star Wars because we get those kind of characters. We even got that in the original Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the kids kind of carrying the truth 
Yes. Is like very Star Wars too. And, and like kids being impacted by their surroundings is something that I think they've done a really good job in the Disney era of showing more of, especially with like Rebels. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's all of Ezra's backstory is mm-hmm. being impacted by the Empire. And then we even have the kids on uh, Canto Bite in The Last Jedi who were impacted. Um, of course, Rey who was abandoned and kind of forced to fend for herself. And all of – I mean, we see a lot of that as well in the Clone Wars too. So, I mean, obviously they did it throughout the original prequel trilogy too. But it's something they keep bringing up. It's one of those like background themes that is really prevalent throughout the Disney era. Love it. (laughs) I mean, I don't love that the kids are not doing great, but – yeah, me neither. But I just – I think I, I really just like the message that you're – like what you said, like the kids carry the truth. Yeah. And that, that they're like – okay, so that was – this is me getting ahead into characters. Can we can we move to characters? Let's move to characters. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right. So I'm going to pick up where I left off. <laughs> Welcome to part three, characters. Um, the interesting thing about Kaz in this episode, Kaz, I often forget that Kaz is 19 years old. And sometimes I think that he acts more like Ezra than a 19-year-old kid. because, And, and it kind of makes sense too because he's come from this like really affluent life. He hasn't really like been out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's done some stuff obviously when he was like with the um, – The Navy. The Navy, yeah, ahead of time. Or before Resistance started. But like in this episode, he just automatically jumps on finding these kids. He's like, got to get the 20,000 credits. Got to be able to like afford some drinks and at Z's. And got to pay Tam back. He's like, I'll be living large. And the kids even point out to him when he finally catches them. They're like, why do you think they're looking for us? Like, do you think it's good people that want us? And it's like that had never really even crossed Kaz's mind. He was just like, well, going to get them. And he didn't even think that, like, the kids were bad, that they were, like, criminals, or he doesn't know that they were from, like, what Phasma told Doza, this lie about them being from, like, a high-ranking family. Um, He didn't hear any of that. So he just, like, dives head in first without thinking at all, which seems to me, like, really immature, which I know that Kaz is on a journey. So, like, this – we're still in, like, the beginning chapter. Um, But it's not – I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. And then he has these really great moments too where he's like, no, I'm not going to give you up to the First Order. Like as soon as he finds out what happens, he does a 180 and is like, no, like I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be here for you. What are we going to do? And he comes up with a plan um, and they do it. And, you know, it's great. I don't know. His character, I really liked his character in this episode, like getting to see all these different sides to Kaz. Yeah. I think that there's something really interesting that you pointed out um, and maybe didn't explicitly say, I think that Kaz in his head is stuck in these like micro missions and isn't actually seeing the full picture. And this was an episode where he finally got to see the full picture and was like, oh, wow, the full picture is really dangerous and we have to shield these people from this danger. And before, you know, he was focused on got it, like you said, got to pay hand back, got to do this, got to learn how to do that. And I also have to find the resistance spy. Like that's in the back of his mind. But it's also kind of a micro mission where he thinks that it's going to be as easy as like one, two, three to find the spy. But really, we know as an audience, it's going to be 
several missions, several (laughs) different things that are going to lead us to finding out who the spy is. And I think that you, what you hammered in on, and I I don't even know if you even realized it, was the fact that this episode is kind of a microcosm for us realizing that there are much bigger pictures at play. Yeah, it's, I think... Yeah, I think you explained it so perfectly. Like it is this microcosm in Kaz's head of like almost like a checklist. Like, okay, I'm a mechanic. Check. I am going to find the spy. Check. Going to report to Poe. Check. Be done. Check. I don't think he's like really – like you're right. He's not thinking big picture about like, oh, the First Order is like changing lives out there in a negative way. Like he doesn't know yet the full – like the real full extent of what happened on Tehar. He's just gotten a glimpse of it and I bet it's like this – like this – cold water almost on his face like oh wait a second like the first order like destroyed your planet and like kidnapped your family or killed your family yeah little does he know that that's exactly what's going to happen to hosnian prime as well (laughs) (laughs) oh my heart oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's so sad I just teared up, like, (laughs) Kaz, oh my gosh, I'm literally tearing up right now, that means, like, he's so, he's so innocent right now, and this is, this is his first step into a greater world, Uh, but it's a really sad world right now, and Mm -hmm. Kaz is so exuberant and so, um, he still wants to be a part of something, but he doesn't really realize what it is that he joined. He doesn't know what he's fighting for yet. It's just like Finn in the sequel trilogy. He doesn't know what he's fighting for yet. He doesn't – I mean, Finn knew what was going on and Finn tried to run from it because he knew too much, mm-hmm. um, because he was scared, because he knew the full extent of what the First Order was doing. Kaz doesn't get it yet. And this is just like one click, one temperature on the pot of boiling water up <laughs> a notch <laughs> of Kaz getting it. And it is going to end in this horribly tragic place of coming completely full circle of starting his understanding of the truth about the First Order with the kids from Tehar and it ending with what happens on Hosnian Prime, his homeworld. We're only a couple months out from that happening in terms of the timeline, which is crazy. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am super emotional about this. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Wow. I also think that we're going to see some serious heartbreak. Okay, I know. Like, let's just put aside your Niku theory, which is now, you know, catching fire on the inter- interwebs. <laughs> I love to um, But I think that we're in for a lot of sadness when it comes to Niku finding out that Kaz is a spy. Yeah. And that sort of betrayal in that line, you know, pondering the weight of your inevitable betrayal or like your whatever, whatever he says in that first um, episode is really going to come back around because I think that he is going to be like, wow, you lied to me. I was so honest with you. I'm the most honest and you are hiding something from me. I also think that Tam is going to be affected by this greatly, but I do think that there is going to be some serious sadness just due to the fact that Niku is just so sweet yeah. that it's just going to be really heartbreaking. It's going to be really hard um, when Niku finds out, especially because Niku has been so tangentially involved in all of these missions. And it's not at all what he thinks is going on. 
it's not like Kaz is doing – like the one time that Kaz has been like super spy was the last episode in the High Tower. Iniku was kind of involved, but he wasn't there like when Kaz put the comm link on the tray to go listen to Doza's conversation. You know what I mean? And even in this episode, Kaz didn't start this mission of saving the kids for his spy mission. It was, I need the money to pay Tam back. And he was up front with Niku about that. You know, but as we as we start moving more into the missions that Kaz is going to be doing, how is Niku going to um, intentionally or unintentionally be more involved in these missions? And And, you know, honestly, like, how do you trust Niku with that kind of information since he is so open about things? Um, and are we going to see Niku change? Like, is he going to become a part of this spy world? Can Niku even be a spy? What does that look like? Um, you know, if he's not actually already the spy. But, <laughs> um, like, how does that look? Because Niku is so open about everything and that, like, you see that played out for laughs in every episode. I mean, it is because he is so honest and he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, and he's so logical about things as well that how how can Kaz trust him right now? And not that he doesn't want to trust him, but how can he given Niku's personality? At least about sensitive spy mission stuff. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because right now we saw Niku like basically totally fail during the last episode um, about the First Order and that whole kerfuffle. Ker- kerfuffle is a word that Niku would probably use. I know, wouldn't he? Um, but I think that, and you know, maybe I'm totally wrong that he'd be really upset about it. Maybe he'd be like, you know what? I'm going to join your cause too, Kaz. Let's do this together. And yeah, I could see that too because I at could, this point yeah. he knows he knows Poe too. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, so I think it could go either way. But my sad brain is like it's going to be really sad, and he's going to be really sad. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah, now that you're kind of talking about it, maybe it's more like he's like, oh, I understand why you had to do that. How can I help you? Yeah. While on the other hand, I think Tam will mm-hmm. be angry. Yeah. But again, we still haven't gotten a lot of – I mean, last episode was great with Tam and we really got to see her emotions in that episode, but they weren't like involving Kaz and like they didn't really talk about it. So like, yeah, they have a relationship right now, but it's not really built on more than he messes up with the mechanics and she has to help him. Um, So I need that to be developed a little bit more to really feel the weight of the deception. I mean, what's probably going to hurt more is when she finds out that Jaeger knew and didn't tell her or like it's been this big secret between Jaeger and Kaz that she was never clued in on. Yeah. That's what's going to hurt because they have a relationship. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think that she'll also maybe be a little jealous of that because I think that Tam is Yeager's like darling Mm -hmm. and Yeager has known all this time that Kaz is only you you know what I mean he's gotten kind of special privilege from him for a lot of things because of his spy mission Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be one of those things where like Tam is like oh it all makes sense now like all these times that Kaz got to do go and do this and you you know you let him get away with all of these things was for this spy mission thing and you never told me Mm -hmm. um that's I think that's gonna really hurt. Oddly enough, I don't think Tora is gonna be too shook up about it. Um, I think I think she'll like want to join in immediately. Well, yeah, because on her wall she has the Sabine Starbird in the mm-hmm. Women of the Galaxy book. We found out that her mom was actually a rebellion pilot. Yes. So, which is really cool. Um, 
And that's a really interesting, like, can of worms to open because it's like, where is she? What does that relationship look like now that Captain Doza is like, is she? I don't know. What does she know about Luke and Leia and Han? Kylo Ren again factoring into this whole conversation. Skywalker. Of course he is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I think Toro will have a very similar like track that Kaz does when it comes to the resistance and the first order that she'll, once she finds out about it, she'll immediately be one, want to be in 110%. But then she'll start getting these glimpses of like, what's like the bigger picture of what's really going on. It's not just about the spy on the Colossus. It's about what's going on in the galaxy. And Oh wait, her father's kind of involved in it too. Like more than what she initially thought. Like what does she think about her father's relations with the first order? And when she finds out something about like what happened to the kids on Tehar, and then she, she's like, wait, the First Order did that. Like, my dad's involved with the First Order. Like, maybe she just thinks the First Order are, like, these bad gangsters, kind of like the Huts, you know. But then she mm-hmm. finds out that they're doing this, like, galaxy-wide destruction, something that her father may or may not be kind of clued into, and he's still kind of talking with them. I think she's going to be like, absolutely not. Like, how could you even think about doing that, Dad? I had a dark thought that Tora was Ooh. the spy. Ooh. <laughs> I, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility for Star Wars to go there with the 15-year-old spy for the First Order. That's mm-hmm. a girl. Just because it would be kind of the opposite of Emphis Nest. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. And, Tora as the spy could be really interesting. And it's like, okay, so she is bubbly. She eggs Kaz on. I mean, all these traits can go the other way. I don't know. I, I, I'm not really fully <laughs> spelling it out, but I did have that thought the other day. I like I how like, your crazy conspiracy theory is like Torah, but you're like, it's because she's bubbly and has like a bright personality <laughs> and kind of eggs Kazan, which by the way, are all things that Niku does as well. <laughs> but you're like, I'm not ready to commit. Like if you're going to have a crazy conspiracy theory that Torah is the spy, you need to commit here and now, Charlotte. <laughs> okay. That's – I'm. I think it would be thematically interesting as a, you know, a foil to Enfys Nest, which is another t- 2018, like, female character that was introduced and took everyone by surprise. I think it would be really you, I like interesting. How, I like how you've got to make yours this, like, really deep, like, thematic parallel <laughs> and, like, what's going on in the world in 2018 and within the world of Star Wars as well that, like, women are doing, like, important things. Like, Godspeed, I'm 100% for that, but the spy is Niku. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, man. Oh, also, man. like, on the topic of spies, I know we, we had this question saved for the end of the episode, but, like, come on. Niku in this episode as the spy, like, where is he getting all this money? Where? He's just, okay. like, doling out credits left and right. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the First Order runs into all of them immediately on the platform when Niku is with them. Like, I'm sorry. That's just – and that calm that he gave the kids, very specific. I wouldn't be surprised if it was tuned into the First Order as well. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I feel like the show isn't giving – and I think it's purposeful because you're supposed to kind of doubt everyone. Um, I feel like the show isn't giving me enough reason to think he's not the spy. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that thing with the original trilogy. And even before we knew, like, who Kylo and Rey were, you know, like, when you don't know who your parents are, anyone could be your sister. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> get involved. And I think it's kind of like that with, with the First Order spy right now. Like, when you've got literally nothing to go on, anyone could be the spy. Yes. And I'm totally with you. I thought about that, too, with the money thing. And Except in that scene where they were doling out the money in the urn. Um, he got like three times as much as Kaz did. Yeah, but he puts in the work. yeah, but it was like the same as Tam, and you don't see Tam like rolling in the dough. Oh, actually, you do. In the last episode, it was like all the drinks were on Tam. That's what Kaz said. <laughs> but they were. I don't know if she actually paid. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, like Aunt Z in this episode was great. Like, oh, your two sips of water, you've already. <laughs> run out of money for your two sips of water and like you should have friends it's good to have friends with money (laughs) 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 me continuing to relate to gas no right (laughs) (laughs) okay so we should end the episode by talking about kylo ren (laughs) okay as we usually do like honestly this is kind of a sky talkers thing (laughs) scratch it off you sky talkers bingo did they bring up kylo yes (laughs) (laughs) well because resistance went there and brought up kylo exactly thanks dave okay so i know we mentioned it in the beginning that this is our highlight of our episode and it and it totally is but there's a couple things to cover um and i just want to be totally honest i i fear the discourse that's gonna you know come about from the kylo run that we're gonna see in resistance just because he is on that monster journey right now mm-hmm. and i am directly referencing that episode that we just did um about monsters because Right now, Kylo is, you know, truly trying to prove himself to Snoke and to try to be the villain. Mm-hmm. He hasn't killed his father yet, but he is truly trying to be menacing, wearing the mask, wearing the dark cloak. And you know what? It's working because these kids, it, that's what they remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's – we're running a weird line here with Kylo Ren right now. Because the reason Kylo Ren has to kill his father is because he hasn't been able to prove himself 100% loyal to Snoke. Right. But we are still in this, like, menacing timeline where he's really trying. So I wonder, again, it's that thing with Kaz of if Kaz actually witnesses what Kylo Ren is doing or hears something Kylo Ren says that kind of goes against the image that the children of Tehar saw – because mm-hmm. we are in this weird place where, yes, Kylo Ren is acting very evil and doing a lot of evil things right now at the behest of Snoke and of his own volition. Um, but it's not as evil as what Snoke wants. And, and yeah. evil is still evil. And, like, we've talked before about, like, the dark side as, like, a barometer on our dark side characters of, like, you know, Kylo Ren is acting 80% dark side and 20% light side right now. <laughs> Um, and so like, but he's still acting evil. Like he's still on the dark side. It's just how much of it there is in him at the time. And I I recognize that that's like a really vague statement to be making, but it is a really, like we're at a crux right now in his story where we know he's still being tempted by the light. We know he's not doing everything exactly as Snoke wants him to, because Snoke gives him this ultimate test in the force awakens to kill his father. Um, and so I, I, I'm thinking we're going to see, both of the the light and the dark side of Kylo Ren in kind of these offhanded comments throughout Resistance. Because I do think that the galaxy is going to be building, building him up as this really big villain. But I think on like an individual level, we might see something 
kind of suggest otherwise through one of our characters like Kaz or something like that or maybe even Poe. Mm-hmm. I take what you say and I raise you the fact that he failed this mission essentially by letting these kids go. Letting the kids go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you really don't think Kat, Kylo – exactly. This is what I thought of. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up because I thought of this when they were like, yeah, we made it on a cargo ship. And I was like, there's no way that – Kylo didn't know they were on the cargo ship because we know that Kylo is super tuned into those kinds of things. He knows when Finn hesitates on Jakku, he picks that up immediately. Um, Mm -hmm. He knows when Han is nearby. Um, He's very tuned into those kinds of things. So you're right. The kids got away. How and why? And and because of that confirmation that we're going to see more of these kids, I only think that that is going to come out because, like I said, they are witness to this and they're the only witnesses to it. Yeah, but I bet they're not – I don't think the kids would ever be like, yeah, Kylo Ren, let us get away. No, I don't – I agree with you. I agree with you. I just think that – and I don't know if, like, Kylo Ren really did – let them go away. Like exactly. I, I don't know if I can make that that assumption, but mm-hmm. I can say that if anything, okay, so say these kids kind of come to the forefront of the resistance or something. I don't know. Um and the first order is made aware that these kids were ac- actually didn't die. Um and it that gets up to Snoke. And Snoke now knows that Kylo didn't basically exterminate all of Tehar. Finish the mission. Exactly. He didn't finish the mission. So that in itself, like Kylo didn't do his job, which is exactly, you know, he's unbalanced, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's like he's not, he's not, he can't close the deal, basically. Yeah. Like Snoke is giving him all these chances and it's not happening. And I wonder if it would be something where like Kel is, you know, recounting the story of what happened on Tehar and he's like, you know, we thought for sure we were going to be found. We like heard Kylo Ren coming and then like he went the other direction, which you're like, you know that, like we know that Kylo is force sensitive enough to know where those kids are. And Mm -hmm. so by like suggesting that he went the other direction, like he turned the corner at just the right time. Like I can almost see that flashback happening in the show. Of like yeah, me too. I can visualize it completely. Pausing at the corner, you like cut to the kids who are breathing heavily, like in the corner or whatever, and then it's like very clear that like he makes the decision to turn left when the kids are to the right or something like that. But yeah, he's not finishing the mission, which he doesn't finish the mission on Jakku either because mm-hmm. he doesn't get the map. Um, he doesn't finish the mission on Tehar because the kids live. Um, he doesn't really finish it with Ray either because he doesn't get the information from her. He can't do it. He sucks at being a villain. <laughs> he, he's, that's the thing. He's trying so hard, which is the bad part of Kylo Ren right now. He is trying so hard, but he's still not able to do it because he's being pulled to the light. Exactly. Leia really wants the intel. Um, from Kylo Ren, which I also think is really fascinating. I know you brought this up in your, you know, your top whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think that it's kind of interesting that she's like really keeping tabs on him. Oh, yeah, I don't, absolutely. I don't think I expected that. Um, but you clearly didn't? like, I mean, I did, but I didn't expect the, for the show to go there. Like, it, that's my headcanon that like she's like obsessed with finding out what he, what, where he is and where he is under Snoke's thumb, you know, but I didn't expect for like the whole resistance to know that, you know, she was really interested in that intel. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's one of those things that she 
I don't know. It's like you can see that every time – like I bet they see that like her demeanor changes when Kylo Ren is brought up, but no one really knows why. They just know that it affects the general Mm -hmm. and you have to wonder why. And then I wonder how much of this intel is being passed on to Han. Well, I don't think – you know, Han is someone that we haven't brought up in the show because when the show was announced, I had thought that we would see Han – a couple times just because of what we learned in Bloodline about him being like pretty heavily involved with racing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. We have a show with racing. So it was like, oh, maybe like Han will have a cameo because he's like this hotshot racer, right? Who has racers. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, I really don't think that's going to happen just because I think we know during this timeline he's hauling Rathtars. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been interesting though. Yeah, and I think that that was like a little bit of my disappointment coming up in the fact that this show is only six months ahead of The Force Awakens because I mm-hmm. think that that would have been a nice crossover and it would have filled in Han's story a little bit more um, before The Force Awakens. But I don't think at this point Leia and Han are speaking at all. No, I don't think so either. Um, Just based off of their conversation in The Force Awakens. Which- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised though like if we found out in some like future content that – like Han has like has his own spy within the resistance, like someone like Elo, who's not only reporting to Leia, but also secretly reporting to Han too. But it's wow. like more wow. more on like the guise of like how's Leia doing? Yeah. But it's like I think that that's what it would be because at this point Han is like kind of dissociated from all of that. Yeah, but he's still like I bet he's still keeping tabs. I think you're right about that. And if that ever came up it would really break my heart a little bit i was star wars is tragedy i almost said skywalker is this tragedy but you know like also true <laughs> star wars is tragedy <laughs> oh gosh yeah it's i think you're right we could have had like some really great han moments uh but i honestly i think the like political intrigue and like the chess pieces that are all kind of moving around and seeing the layers of all of these cultures and politics at play like all coming to this like nexus point of the colossus totally makes up for not having Han do a race around the Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that is almost kind of filler content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the like intrigue of Leia getting updates on Kylo is 10 for 10 much better in my book. <laughs> for sure. Love it. Yeah. But I wouldn't I wouldn't hate like if like if somehow the Rathtars ended up at Coloss- on the Colossus, they could totally <laughs> do a storyline like that. Like that's where they get picked up or something. Um, well, yeah, because it's like easily. a – it's like a truck stop, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, – what are those? Loves? Aren't those the gas station truck stops? <laughs> it's the loves. So. It's the loves of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but again, and before we wrap up, I just got to point out that I am still loving how much we're seeing of the Colossus, seeing the engineering room. I freaking love Doza's office. He's got like some kind of like bonsai plant with like great red leaves. It always looks like it's in fall time. I love it. It's got like a cool bookshelf, very into the environment of the Colossus as per usual. I actually didn't notice that about his office. I got to take a second look. Wait, you didn't notice the like bonsai tree? No, but that's it's cool. It's so great. It's always like kind of shadowy, kind of like Revenge of the Sith, Anakin <laughs> and Yoda. Shadowy, yeah, that, you know what I mean? Like with the blinds. You know, his office really reminds me of Coruscant in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, so yeah, loving the Colossus. Can't Wow. Yeah. Can't wait for a Lego set of the Colossus. <laughs> I <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> oh gosh. I really loved seeing the turtle guys, the engineers. Yes. I love that they're engineers who like 
basically have eyes and ears everywhere around the Colossus and that's how they know how to fix everything. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's so great. And they're these really slow creatures that get the job done. Uh, I love it. Yeah. It was great. I When I first saw them, I was like, wow, these are really turtly. I don't know how I'm going to feel about them. But I actually ended up loving them. And I think that the way they're and, uh, animated and the way they smile, it was just really adorable and kind of makes my heart really happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited to see more of them, especially as we'll have the Tehar duo down with them as well. We'll get to learn a lot more about them. For sure. So I think that's going to wrap up our episode for this week, guys. If you're not watching Resistance, get on it. <laughs> um, but, if you came to the end of the episode and haven't watched it. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, Godspeed to you for listening to this whole episode without having watched Resistance. But, you know, go watch Resistance. Um, for sure. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We've got a really exciting episode coming up um, for our main show, Sky Talkers, in the next couple weeks. So be on the lookout for that. It's going. It's like so Sky Talkers, I can't even. Um, but look forward to that. If you want to find us on Twitter or anywhere else online, you can head on over to skytalkers.com or our Twitter is at skytalkerspod. Our personal handles are at Caitlin Plusher for myself and at Clarity for Charlotte. And if you like what you hear and want to head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We would really love it. Yes. And I want to thank our amazing patrons, Amy, Joanna, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Rachel, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Matt, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Derek, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the forest be with you. May the forest be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.